3: Here we go, middle of the week, Sports Talk Mississippi, August 19th. Glad to have you along, Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, Brian Haydad. Thanks for being with us. Seaspire text line is open to you. The number is 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. If you would like to be a part of the conversation, hit us up right there. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. We've got plenty of football stuff to uh, get to with you as we get one day closer And that may sound like a little bit of a broken record, but guys, don't you feel like that's almost the attitude we've got to go with? Okay, one day closer, given the landscape of college football all across the country, where they didn't say, we're not having football. That feels like a win each and every day. That's right, yeah. And we've
4: got Conference USA football coming up here in a couple of weeks. I mean, I saw there was some scheduling news. Clemson is going to open up with a daunting season opener uh, the Citadel Bulldogs, so uh, Trevor Lawrence and company will have to be prepared for that. But yeah, man, I, I mean, I, I read a—it's not college, but I read a Saints practice report today. Felt good. That's don't forget the, the Citadel scored on Alabama
0: a couple years ago. They, so they did could do some damage.
5: Could
0: do some uh, damage.
3: That that is is something. Uh, Borky, don't you have a kind of a special place in your heart for the Citadel?
4: Uh, I do, yeah. And my best friend went to school there, but. It's um, especially when they get to play teams like Clemson. They beat South Carolina relatively recently, right? You remember when Steve Spurrier decided oh, I'm done in the middle of the season, just kind of quit on his team. They lost to the Citadel that year. Uh, so oh, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, and we got that video, the viral video of the student uh, at one of the tailgate lots after the game crying and. The person holding the car- the phone goes, hey, man, what's wrong? He goes,
2: we just lost to the Citadel.
4: And, yeah. So, of course, they're very close to my heart because of that. But they do run this weird triple option kind of offense. And, I mean, look, they're not going to beat Clemson. But it's no, fun. No, they're not. <laughs> do you remember Nick Saban at halftime? when? What was the score at halftime? It was like, well, it was it, nine to six or something like that at half against the Citadel. and Alabama had like two offensive possessions because the Citadel was just pulling the "let's take as much time as humanly possible" strategy, and it worked for a little while. But you could see it on Saban's face going into the locker room at the at the half. Uh, he was almost smiling because he knew that he could use that. As like a kick in the you-know-what for his football team? It was team. tied at the half. It was, it was tied at the half. See, but his halftime interview, I thought, oh, Saban's going to be so mad. But with the reporter, he was almost happy. He was like, I get to use this on film now. This is the best. If I remember nothing correctly, Saban worked or out or okay any coach for in the long run. Me.
0: Yeah, nothing any coach likes more than an ugly win. They, a coach would take a, a season full of ugly wins just so they could constantly have something to complain about.
3: Yeah. Biggest story of the day um, away from the football field is kind of a bad one. And it involves LSU, although nothing currently at LSU. um, Two former LSU students, according to a report that first surfaced in USA Today, say that they were raped by former running back Darius Geis in 2016. You remember he was a uh, a three-year player for LSU. He had three 250-yard games. In his time at LSU, which is the most by any player in SEC history, all told, 3,074 rushing yards and 29 touchdowns. He was really, really good, but he was kicked out of the NFL, or, or cut, released, I guess is the way to say it, by uh, the Washington football team uh, earlier this month, just a couple of hours after being arrested on three separate domestic violence charges in Virginia, and his attorney, as you would expect, says that at no time were allegations of phys- physical or sexual assault brought against Darius during his years as a student athlete at LSU. And then he goes with the predictable to bring up such assertions only after the Virginia charges were initiated, certainly calls into question the credibility, nature, and timing of what is being alleged years later. LSU. For its parts, as LSU and LSU Athletics take all accusations of sexual assault with the utmost seriousness. Formal complaints are promptly and fully investigated. And the rights and privacy of students are protected as stipulated by FERPA. Complainants are also strongly encouraged to report the offense to law enforcement and are provided information on health care counseling and supportive measures available. So you're getting kind of all the responses to this story that you would expect to get. Darius Geis' representation denies it. LSU says we didn't do anything wrong. Some people want to go into the victim-shaming piece. You get the questions that that always arise where you go, well, why was this not reported when it happened? And usually the answer to that is it's complicated. There is a presumption of innocence, but the old adage of where there's smoke, there's fire. You, you can't help but kind of look at that when the backdrop is he was just arrested on domestic violence charges. And, oh, by the way, this might be in his past.
4: And on top of that, so the lawyer did the, uh, the timing thing, tried to question the timing of the story Uh, One of the two alleged victims was interviewed for this story in January. So they had no idea Hmm. that he was going to get arrested in August for multiple domestic violence charges. And the thing about due process is it's very important, and everybody should be given that. The presumption of innocence until proven guilty is an extremely important fabric of the founding of this country and its legal system. However, to have due process, there has to be a process in an investigation. And according to this story and the quotes in this story, there was no process. There was no investigation. Multiple coaches, not football, multiple coaches at LSU were told about these incidents. Allegedly. Allegedly, according to uh, this story. And uh, neither student was contacted or interviewed by LSU. If that is true... If they really did not contact – the, these women were not contacted after reporting it to people in positions of power at LSU, this is horrible and heads need to roll.
3: According to the story the women told USA Today, guys assaulted them in their own apartments following nights of heavy drinking. They shared their allegations with multiple people at LSU, including, including at least two coaches, an athletics administrator and a nurse – and the women said the school failed to investigate and did not interview them or potential witnesses. So, at worst, or, or maybe I should say at minimum, at minimum, this is a bad look for LSU. It's a really bad look for LSU. The, the, the adage goes, what, there, there's three sides to every story? My side, your side, and the truth. And and that's, I suppose, one way to look at this. But I guess the other way to look at it is what's going on in Baton Rouge. But in fairness, maybe the better question is what was going on in Baton Rouge. 2016, you're talking about three football seasons ago, four years ago. And... A lot has happened in Baton Rouge since then. There's a new athletics director. There's a new university chancellor or president, whatever they call them there. Ed Ogeron wasn't the full-time head coach in 2016, was he? He was not, however. um, Was on the staff. Was on the staff,
4: and in this story, again, this is all uh, alleged, and like you said, sides to the story and all need to be heard. He was reached for comment, uh, declined to comment, but uh, a former player – a former LSU player, not Darius Geis, dated one of the two alleged victims. And according to the story, Ed Orgeron, a year after the incident, brought it up to the player and said, well, people sleep with other people. So Ed Orgeron was apparently aware of what happened and told the boyfriend of one of the victims to get over it because people sleep with people. So he
3: is involved in this story. Is there a scenario where we could be looking at a Title IX investigation at LSU?
4: It, Possibly,
0: because yeah. he was a tennis player, right?
3: One of them, yes.
0: Yeah, so. Yeah. Probably.
3: If you want to read this story in its entirety, you can go to USA Today. Because of the sensitivity of the subject matter, I'm not sure I feel comfortable on this particular show really going far down the road uh, but it is worth a read and there are some quotes in there that are um, they're tough That they're tough to read and you know you, you can't help but you can't help but wonder the former boyfriend of One of the players redshirted his freshman year and said he steered clear of Geist because I probably would have lost my bleep on him. And the quote from Ed Ogeron that Borky was referencing a second ago, according to the former player, and what he told USA Today was, everybody's girlfriend sleeps with other people. Mm, That's tough. That's really tough. So as it stands right now, a bad look for LSU. We'll see where the story goes. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Just getting started with you on this Wednesday. Wanted to get to this afternoon with you. Really cool story at AL.com from uh, John Talty. Michael Ackerman may not be a household name. He is a doctor, a genetic cardiologist at the Mayo Clinic. And if indeed we get a college football season this year, then we might all should be putting Dr. Michael Ackerman on the Christmas card list. Or at least just a quick thank you note for uh, for his work. will tell you about that coming up a little bit later this afternoon. Also, Brian Haydad, along with others in the media at Mississippi State, got to spent a, uh, spend a, a fairly significant amount of time with Mike Leach following Mississippi State's first day of practice yesterday via a Zoom call. Was it all that you hoped it would be?
0: It was short. It was only about twenty minutes.
3: I was hoping for. You, you were convinced yeah, a it was going to be two hours.
0: I was. I thought he they would just let him go, but they they kept they cut him up pretty short. A
3: L- little more structure there. We will uh, play for you much of what Mike Leach had to say after practice coming up uh, a little bit later this afternoon as well. But right now, I want you to hear from Lane Kiffin. Now this is different than what you heard on Tuesday when uh, we brought to you Lane Kiffin's comments from, I guess it was, excuse me, I guess that was Monday uh, after Ole Miss's first day of practice, but he did an interview with, uh, with SEC Network. Dorian was uh, kind of doing the back and forth on the questioning, and Lane Kiffin, among other things, said something at the end that really has grabbed the attention of folks nationally with regard to transfer. So you'll hear that at the end, we'll talk about it afterward, but this is uh, Lane Kiffin last night on sec network
2: perhaps hopefully about to see his teams play in a few weeks lane kiffin kind enough to spend some time with us here lane the idea of playing in the fall i cannot imagine how excited your players must be but how do you balance their excitement with the expectations they must have in this COVID era
5: Well, they're so excited to to be practicing and hopefully playing. Um, You know, that's across the board. And so um, I just think there's a ton of excitement that they're out on the field and they're getting to do things. And the big challenge is off the field. You know, the big challenge is not when they're with us. The big challenge is when they're away from us, um, you know, and and dealing with this and doing a good job um, because, you know, the college environment is not doing a very good job of this um, and the environment in general. So it's a big challenge for them. The field, if we get to
2: see it, we're going to see one of the most exciting players in the country in your quarterback, John Rice Plumley.
5: What word best describes him? Fast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, no, he, he's, he's an awesome kid. You know, baseball player, piano player. I mean, 4.0 student, unbelievable kid first off. Um, so it's been neat to be around him. And, and we're in the middle of a quarterback competition with him and Matt Correll. And both guys have done well through two days. And we got a lot of work to do. And both both guys played well at times last year also. You know, we uh,
2: released the schedules yesterday, you might have heard. And uh, you guys open up at home against
5: Florida. Lane, when you first saw that as your opener, what did you think? Uh, we're excited. Um, one, to be at home, and another, to play a top-ten team. in Florida, great tradition, and, and always great players, and, and always a challenge on both sides of the ball, especially, you know, defensively. they always got great defensive players. And so, um, you know, I think it's exciting. You know, it's like having a big opener, you know, that your players can look forward to, um, you know, has, has always been a good thing. Yeah, and then we all, of course, look down the schedule. When do they play Alabama? When's he going
2: to play Nick Saban? Well, it's week three. We don't have to wait that long. You know, by that point... We all know the record, right? Nick could be 20-0 and against his former assistants. Now, 20 seems like a nice round number to end on, and your buddy Paul Feinbaum, of course, thinks you'll be the first former assistant to beat him. Is that fun to hear, Lane, or
5: is that rat poison? I think that's Paul just trying to get his ratings up by saying something people people would really either like or dislike depending on what teams they're fans of. Um so uh that's the last thing on our mind right now. We got so much work to do just I mean we've had two practices um with our team ever. You know, we never had spring ball, so we have so much work to do and in the schedule now with you know teams not playing and all SEC. I mean I mean almost every week you know we're playing in top 20 teams, so I think we got half, you know half of the top 15 or something like that on our schedule. So let's go. You
2: know we're all excited in these parts because
5: we hope that we are going to be playing football. As you obviously
2: well know, major conferences two of them are not going to play, which means a lot of really great football players will not play this fall what would be your take what is your take on the idea of players transferring from major conferences that are not playing to ones that we think are playing just because
5: their league shut the door on fall football yeah i think Dari, with all the storylines that are going on this one's been missed um i think it's a shame uh you know kids are getting their team their schools deciding or their conferences deciding to shut down and so they can't play and a lot of them got a lot of money on the line for the next level or they just want to play their last years and so it's really unfortunate that the NCAA is not allowing them uh, to transfer and be eligible immediately Um, you know we're being told that that wouldn't even go into a waiver process so I feel really bad for those kids it's not their fault why can't they come play somewhere so that, that don't make any sense to me.
2: Is is that something that you are engaged in any conversations? Do you, you're trying to get a football team ready for games in six weeks, so I understand that. But as a head coach and a representative of a university, do you broach that conversation with people within the NCAA yourself?
5: Uh, I've asked that question, um, you know, you know, via our con- conference. You know, um, when it first started happening, you know, are these kids going to be allowed to go play? And um, I-, I was told, you know, that will not be in the waiver process. And so, if they're not grad students, they're going to have to they're going to have to sit. And the majority of them are grad students, so it, very unfortunate for the kids, especially in an era that we're finally now figuring out do the best things for the kids. And this would be one of them.
3: So. That story and that particular quote at the end or the, the last two things that Lane Kiffin said are still front page news for, uh, for ESPN and kind of everybody that covers college football. I was asked about that in, in an interview I did earlier today with uh, my friend Chuck Oliver uh, on his college football show, uh, and he was asking specifically about, you know, are there, are there any spots at Ole Miss? And Ole Miss actually may be a spot that is in better shape than others to be able to take on some additional additional scholarship players just because of the shape the roster's in right now and some of the attrition that has, uh, has happened. So big picture, what, what, what's your thought? Do you agree with Lane Kiffin that the uh, players in the Big Ten and the Pac-12 should be able to transfer without penalty and be eligible immediately? Mark
0: it down. Brian Hayden agrees with Ole Miss head coach. It's it's a historic day. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. I think that should be the case, and I think the NCAA should make some uh, some some uh, what's the word? Some changes to allow some roster sizes to, to 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 accommodate these kids. You know, I mean, college football is better with Justin Fields playing in it. As much as I would not like to see Justin Fields end up at, I don't know LSU. I mean. I feel like you know college football is better off with him playing this year, and then because he's not going to play in the spring, he's going to just go ahead and go to the NFL draft. Sure. So you know, and if you're Mississippi State and you all of a sudden the NCAA says okay, you guys can can keep roster size up to a hundred, don't you think you go Mike Leach is going to call a couple of his wide receivers from uh, from Washington State and say get on the first train down here? You know, any other big time wide receivers? Old you know, Missers there are other are go
3: travel ways, travel options besides train.
0: I just said train. You know, I just said it. It's okay. Planes, they're trains,
3: right. automobiles, automobiles. They're remaking like. that,
0: you know. God, I can't believe it. With uh,
3: uh who are the who's the cast on the Will remake? Will Smith I saw and
0: Kevin Hart.
3: You excited about that or not so much?
0: Can you see from my face if you're watching at Supertalk.fm? You're not can you feeling see the excitement. It. I'm not feeling that at all. Uh but anyway, Ole Miss, I mean, there are a lot they need help on defense. I mean, there's a lot of great defensive players in the Big Ten and the Pac 12 that they would probably love to be able to talk to. So, yeah, I think they should be made eligible. I think the NCAA should offer some relief to the schools who want to bring them in.
3: I agree with most of what you said. I don't think in the immediate we can look at a scenario where we allow rosters to be expanded. Like, if you're at 85 scholarships, congratulations, you're in a league where you're getting to play and you've got a full complement of players. But if you have spots available, it seems like you should be able to use those spots in, in this particular scenario. Here's what I'm having trouble understanding. And this is nothing new, right? I mean, it, it, nothing new with inconsistency as it pertains to the NCAA. And we're going to run out of time, so we won't, won't really have time to flesh this out until after the break coming up in, in just a few minutes. The NCAA allows Justin Fields, quarterback, Georgia, To transfer because he felt unsafe in a racially charged environment in Athens, Georgia. Because allegedly a student, not allegedly, I think it was proven that a student who was sitting in the stands yelled a racial epithet. So Justin Fields on the sideline was able to hear a former baseball player from the stands yell something that was racially insensitive. And that made him feel unsafe at the University of Georgia. Whatever. Fine. I'm I, I'm cool with the one-time transfer. Justin Fields wants to go to Ohio State so he can play and not have to sit for another year behind Jake Fromm? Be my guest. Let's be real about it. Cade Mays, who transferred away from Georgia, and there's that weird story about the guy who... What, lost a finger in a folding chair accident on a recruiting trip? Mm-hmm. A really weird story. Transfers to Tennessee, the place where everybody expected him to go out of high school, where his brother's on the team. His waiver was denied. He is not going to be immediately eligible this year at Tennessee. We'll pick this up in just a second. Sports Talk Mississippi. Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Before the break, we were talking about transfer policy. Lane Kiffin, in an interview with uh, Dari Noca at SEC Network last night, said that he thought it was unfair for players in conferences that were not playing football to not be allowed to transfer without penalty and be eligible immediately. I'm paraphrasing. I don't know if he used the word specifically fair, uh, but that's kind of what he was getting at. And, you could say, okay, there's an agenda there. Ole Miss could use more players. they are good players out there. Might as well go be able to pick them up. But I think there's more to it than just a, a singular agenda. First of all, I don't think Lane Kiffin says something that's not calculated. Right? I mean, he had given thought to that and would love to boost his roster. There are 13 other coaches that, if they have a spot available, would love to add someone from Ohio State or... Penn State, or Michigan, or Michigan State, or Iowa. I mean, just go down the list. I mean, everybody's got some good players. And not everybody at those schools would want to transfer. But some might, especially to a place in the SEC, or the Big 12 or the ACC for that matter. But you're talking about the best league in college football, making a move from maybe the second best league in college football to the best league in college football. Hey Dad said a second ago, mark it down timestamp it, that he agrees with the head coach at Ole Miss. I do as well. And and, and again, it goes back to my, my biggest frustration in this. I say frustration. I'm, I'm not particularly frustrated about this, but it's just throw more one more log on the fire that is the NCAA's ineptitude. Because there's no consistency in their transfer policy. They say that as an organization, their mission is the welfare of student-athletes. Now, the NCAA's doctor, or lead doctor, Brian Hartline, says, oh, you can't play this year. We've got a bunch of other smart doctors that are saying, yeah, we think you probably can play this year. So why, if the NCAA is about student-athlete welfare... Would they stand in the way of transfers? Especially when it looks like we're headed in the direction of one-time transfers being okay. And one-time transfers have been okay for spring sports, right? Right. And to your point earlier, I mean, you
4: don't have to expand roster sizes. and. Believe it or not, not everybody has 15 scholarships to give to transfers. I mean, Ole Miss is in a position where they can take a bunch of kids and it's, what, eight maybe? and We don't know exactly their scholarship number, but I've been told it's around eight or nine, and that's on the high end. So it's not like Ohio State's entire roster could up and leave Columbus and go somewhere else because teams fill their rosters, and so
3: there's not going to be that many spots for them anyway. Or they could hey, go to a, Either one of you. Sorry, Borky, I'm not interrupting. I'm just thinking, on average, across the entire SEC, what would you guess the average number of available spots as we sit here right now, Borky, on, on the 19th of August, six weeks before games are supposed to begin? What would you think, on average, SEC teams could take in? Two and a
0: half? I would, I would be surprised if anybody has more than three or four open spots talking so about an average. Two and a half would be high. I would think it's, it's probably closer to just two.
3: And Borky, what were you, were you saying? You thought Ole Miss's number was in the eight to nine range? Yeah, give or take. And that would be on the high end. Yeah, I think they're on the
4: the, the outlier though. Yeah, it's in zero. This. And uh, it's been mm-hmm. a bit of breaking news. Um, Ole Miss has yep, thirteen I'd... student athletes, eleven of which on the same team, did not specify what team, uh, test positive. Wait.
3: Let me add a little context. So this uh, memo comes from UM Today. The welfare and safety of our University of Mississippi community during this time is our primary concern. We're writing to inform you of recent developments on campus relating to COVID-19. The university received notification today that 13 student athletes and one employee tested positive for COVID-19, which constitutes an outbreak per the State Department of Health's guidelines. Individuals were tested earlier this week as part of a mass screening for student-athletes returning to campus and were instructed to quarantine until test results were received. Eleven of the 13 student-athletes are members of the same team. Results of tests on other student-athletes are pending. I am led to believe that this is not football-related. If you're an old Miss fan, big deep exhale. And uh, I'm trying to see what I feel comfortable saying. Um it's not related to any traditional fall sports. So
0: it's all the baseball team. Whole starting lineup.
3: Come on, Mike, get it together. I did not say that.
0: And I do not believe that to be true either.
4: <laughs> so,
3: hashtag um, Rebs BSB. Yeah, but
4: anyway, so I figured uh, if you didn't see it, you want you'd want that brought to the table. But yeah, it, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here. I think just because the size of the recruiting class that they brought in, which was a small one, and yes, they have engaged in the transfer portal somewhat, and attrition that came on the roster. It's fewer than 10, but I, I talked to somebody who would know earlier, uh, right before I recorded a podcast, just so I had it, and he said it, he thinks it's around seven-ish spots that would be available if Tough Borland decided to bring he and his buddies from Ohio State to Oxford. Wait, is that is that a possibility? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, if you're Lane like Kiffin, sign me up, right? But uh, I don't think so. He strikes me as the type that... Um, Wants to stay in Columbus, but also doesn't need to play another season. You know what I mean? Like transferring for him, he can't really improve his status much more than
3: what it already is. Yeah. What's the – I mean, is there a player that immediately jumps to mind from one school in the Big Ten that if you could only add one player to your roster from one of the Big Ten schools, you would immediately pick? Chris Olave. Okay. Best
0: receiver from in the Big Ten. Ohio State.
3: From Ohio State.
0: Yeah, best receiver in the Big Ten. That's what State needs more than anything else. Whoever the best. Didn't quarterback Minnesota is have be number two,
3: two stud receivers last year, and one of them's coming yeah, but,
0: back? Yeah, but he opted out. Even before they canceled football, he opted.
4: Yeah,
3: out. Yeah, Rashad Bateman. He's
0: yeah. done.
4: Okay. So yeah.
0: Top receiver would be one for State. Top cornerback would be two.
3: Yeah. Borky, is there a player that jumps out for you from the Big Ten? Uh, aside from Tough Borland for Ole Miss? Or, or, uh, or from the Pac-12, Or I from suppose. Wyatt, yeah. Um, Wyatt Davis?
4: Any starting defensive lineman at Ohio State, Penn State, or Michigan? <laughs> because even without names, you feel like that probably would be an upgrade. I mean, just because they need depth. I mean, it... There's a couple of guys there that you think can end up being some pretty good players. A lot of inexperience, but they, they need bodies. I mean, they just need dudes that can line up if they need them to, especially if there's some kind of a small outbreak during the season. But the linebacker core is okay, but if you can get somebody like him, I mean, it immediately enhances your defense to a different level. That's how special he is.
3: that's the number for the C Spire text line. If you would like to be a part of the conversation this afternoon, again, 601-879-4395, C Spire has uh, got you covered. Really, some great deals going on right now, not just for your phone setup, but also for your home office or maybe even your business needs. Check them out online, cspire.com. C Spire, customer inspired. So... Ross Dellinger writes a little bit today at Sports Illustrated on the new bubble that's being created in Chapel Hill. And you might get the exact same thing at Notre Dame. I'm curious when, when when this became okay. Right because the 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 story was we can't do a bubble, we can't do a bubble, we can't do a bubble. But now they've decided to go forward with football and you're having more and more schools go to online learning, and we're going to end up with some bubbles. It's not really a bubble. They're, still, they're not going to tell the
0: football players they can't go out. So there's still going to be people in town. It's not a bubble. Bubble is a bad word for this, in my opinion.
3: You don't think that's the right way to describe it?
0: No, because... If I'm a football player, okay, yeah, maybe I'm not going to class, but I still go to restaurants and bars and everything else that I do in South Bend or, or or Chapel Hill. It's 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 not a bubble. They're not they're not they're not going from practice to their room to practice. They're not doing that, which is what the NBA guys are doing basically. They have no they the people of the NBA bubble have no contact with people outside the bubble. That's going. There is no There is no bubble when there's other people involved.
3: Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and you, and Brian Haydad, on... Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, on this Wednesday... Thanks for being with us. You want to be part of the conversation? Ceasefire text line 601 879 4395. 879 4395. and Starful says, I do not think rosters should be expanded, and no matter how many scholarships a team has available, they should only be allowed two players to transfer in due to the pandemic. But why limit it? They don't have a yeah, season. So, why would be my question?
4: I mean, and especially in the Big Ten's case, at least the Pac-12, even if you disagree with their decision, they've been transparent, man. You can read all of their documents, every single one that they considered when they made the decision. They had it laid out in some PDF you can access online. They had multiple people do a wide-open media session. Whoever wanted to ask questions could ask questions, and they answered them directly. Like You can disagree with the conclusion they came to. They're also dealing with it a little bit differently on the West Coast than we are here in the Southeast. So coronavirus is affecting them differently than it is us. But at least they have answers. And the players can point to something, and the players' parents and the coaches can point to something and say, this is exactly why they made that decision. The Big Ten, they know nothing. James Franklin did a media op this morning and pretty much said, I don't know what to tell my guys, and I don't know what to tell their parents because we don't know. You've had multiple people in leadership positions at Big Ten schools straight up putting their hands up and saying, we didn't really vote. We don't know.
3: We were told nothing. What an incredibly difficult spot these coaches in the Big Ten are in. And the Pac-12, for that matter, although yeah. the Pac-12 doesn't really seem to be saying anything.
0: And Phillips says it's not to pill for teams for their future. Well, you know, they sort of did that to themselves when they decided not to play. You know, if you're going to shut it down, this is one of the consequences. Your players—if if, Remember when UAB shut down, their players were free to go wherever they wanted. You know, they're not playing football this year. They're not playing football in the spring. I don't care what kind of plans they come up with. There's no way you're going to get me to buy it until I see it.
3: So, you know, might as well let them have one last crack. Stuart Mandel... Um... Tweets Kevin Warren did a previously scheduled appearance today on a Sports Business Journal panel, but was asked just one softball question about the decision to shut down the Big Ten. His quote was I want to make sure we clear up that we postponed, not canceled the season. The last week has been very emotional for a lot of reasons. We want to do what's right by our student athletes to make sure from a health and wellness standpoint we'll proceed forward and continue to do everything we possibly can to make good decisions as we look forward to 2021. Like like are they convincing themselves that the spring football thing is going to happen when it's not? Well, then they
0: release something today or somebody You know, another plan came out or was brought to light about starting. Ryan Day was
3: talking about it. Like an eight game season starting the first week of January? Basically,
0: starting two weeks after the SEC championship game. I mean, what are we talking about here?
4: Enclosed venues.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, indoor venues because they don't want to play in, you know, five degree weather up there.
4: Yeah. So,
0: what is is the difference? Honestly. There is no difference. This is foolishness, it's nonsense. They're just trying to hold on to their players. That's all this is. If they can, I believe if they canceled the season, the NCAA would have no recourse but to say, okay, we have to let them transfer. But because they're saying postponed, they're hopeful to get something. And, of course, like I said, I think Nick Saban said this. It may have been on, uh, it may have been on Dan Patrick or something. I'm not sure. But basically he asked the question, are there going to be JV games? Because so many of your seniors are just going to go ahead and move on. And a lot of your talented juniors as well. They're just going to go ahead and get ready for the NFL draft.
4: Did you guys happen to talk about Jeff Brom's proposal while I was gone? We did. So ruining two seasons for the sake of one. That's what they're looking at. But, I mean, honestly, there is no difference. Even between September 26th and January, first week of January for their season, that's just 12 weeks. Are we really anticipating the heart condition that Richard mentioned earlier – that study was wrong uh, is going to just be gone in in 12 weeks? 8 weeks if you started in late October? Is it just going to up and disappear? Something that has existed in viral conditions as we've learned for a very long time? Is that just going to disappear in 8 weeks? No. And on top of that, as we've also learned playing in closed venues is not as safe as playing in open air venues. It's absurd what's going on And nobody has any answer. So to force a player to stay at Penn State when their coach is literally telling them, I don't know why you can't play football. Nobody's telling me why you can't play football. And I don't know when you're going to be able to do it again. And they should have to stay there? Forget
3: that. Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm, one hour in the books with you. Just kind of uh, going back to what we were talking about earlier, 13 student athletes have tested positive for COVID-19 at Ole Miss. 11 of the 13 student athletes are members of the same team. Multiple sources have confirmed the overwhelming majority are not football players.
2: We're going to hit
3: this Our number two on this Wednesday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, Brian Haydad, thanks for being with us. You want to be a part of the conversation? We would love for you to do that. You can do so on the C Spire text line. 601-879-4395 is the number. Again, 601-879-4395. Nine, five. Be honest, you know your business deserves better, so get better with a C Spire business internet and phone bundle backed by real support. The IT experts at C Spire equip your organization with reliable high-speed internet and industry-leading VoIP phone systems plus 24-7 local support so you can focus on your goals. They've got connectivity covered. See how C Spire can power your success today at cspire.com slash business. Borky, should we listen in to a little bit of what Mike Leach had to say after his first day of practice as the head coach at Mississippi State?
4: Yeah, we can do that. And a couple of times in here, you hear uh, Mr. Brian
3: Haydad. so a familiar voice. A, so a treat Mississippi for you. State started its football practice yesterday. Uh, the expectation was Mike Leach was going to coach all the way through the spring, and then he'd have fall camp and everything. But yesterday was the first time that they were able to get on the field with the full team. And this was Mike Leach yesterday after practice.
1: Okay, listen, I'm not big into opening statements. Uh, uh, I do have the coke here. I was uh, wondering where the uh, golden flakes were. Bear Bryant did get golden flakes when uh, he did his stuff, uh, but hopefully I earned that slot. Um, anyway, uh, any questions?
6: I don't, Coach Leach. Um, For me, I just wanted to know if you got a good look of uh, two local players, uh, Malik Heath and um, Will Rogers. I know Will was an early enrollee, so, you know, he kind of got a head start as far as getting used to uh, the campus environment. What did you see from those two guys in your first practice? Well,
1: Malik didn't participate today. Uh, I thought Will looked pretty good. Will's looked good
6: uh, as uh,
1: things have rolled on.
6: Hey, Mike, how's it going? Uh, Good. uh, I know you talked in the – preseason about quarterback battles and you're hoping to have kind of two guys pegged peg going into the fall, uh, with losing spring, spring ball, where do you guys kind of stand with that? And have you guys named a starter quarterback if at all?
1: No, we haven't. Uh, I doubt we will until maybe as late as, uh, uh, the week before, uh, you know, the game week, it, uh, I hope it doesn't extend that far, but it certainly could. Um, so we're trying to roll them through as we can, in these practices, get the best look that we can. It'll be uh, more of a sudden decision than I would like, because, um, you know, you'd like to see more body of work out of all
6: of them. Uh, Today uh, we repped uh, KJ Schrader and uh, Will Rogers. Yeah, Mike, you mentioned Malik not participating. I'm wondering if you have an update on his status with the team after the incident last week. I don't.
1: We're still looking at it and, uh, just getting all the facts but no i don't
6: i got just another quick one for you while i've got you i guess um another one of those kind of custodial questions but a lot of programs have been coming out and been a little transparent with their covid cases i'm wondering if you guys have any active ones right now and if you have anybody quarantining not able to participate in practice uh if i did
1: i wouldn't tell you um but uh no, we generally operate fully healthy here, but, uh, we've got doctors and people like that, uh, uh, looking closely into that, uh, you know, at every turn, I think we have a great protocol. As a matter of fact, uh, our protocol is one that, uh, um, at least initially when they first allowed us to have some work, uh, others modeled after it. And it was very good. As a matter of fact, um, uh, we have a pretty good video on that thing. Um, that, uh, you know, Thomas, our trainer, put together, and uh, and I was uh, I was pretty impressed with it.
0: Mike, when you think about where you are day one here versus day one at, at Texas Tech and day one at Washington State, how much further are you behind in what you want to have done at this point?
1: Um, I think we're a little further along athletically. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, we're a little further behind, you know, just uh, the loss of uh, practices and work. I think that... You know, we had good effort. I thought we bounced around. I thought that uh, based on where we left off, I would uh, categorize this work uh, better than average. And um, uh, But obviously, we have a lot of work to do. I thought uh, we were aggressive and explosive, but, uh, you know, we waste too many steps. We're not as precise as uh, I'd like to be in technique, but, uh, you know, let's uh, we just got to keep working at it. Coach, how would you
2: assess KJ Costello's performance so far?
1: Uh, I would say a work in progress, I, although I would say that really about all of them. I think that K.J.'s experience, I think, helps him some. And then uh, and he's still, you know, um, <clears throat> yeah, everybody knows each other's name and whatnot. But um, as far as uh, K.J. Uh, you know, being in tune with uh, this guy goes here, that guy goes there. And it's been a little tough because we've, we've repped an awful lot of receivers Uh, Just like quarterback, we're trying to uh, quickly take the opportunity to see who can do what, and uh, we get them slotted in the best position we can uh, in a short period of time. But the more that that gets tuned in, uh, the better it'll be. Uh, Just with the the landscape of college football right now, I'm curious if you've had any conversations with your former Pac-12 colleagues about where they sit right now. Well, yeah. Yeah, I have. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I guess – everybody wants everything to be as safe as possible. I think everybody's concern is to be safe, you know, for their own sake, the players, the, uh, the all the students at the university, fans, everybody, everybody wants that. Um, but uh, I'd say they're frustrated would be the best way to describe that. Uh, uh, generally speaking, frustrated. Frustrated with the decision
2: or just <clears throat> the, the the cold reality that they can't play?
1: I think that well, there's the cold reality that they can't play is going to be uh, paramount frustrating. Um, you know, and of course it varies. Some thought, well, you know, hoping we could play, we couldn't. And others it's, uh, it's like, they felt like they made the decision too quickly. Um, you know, cause there, there is some more time and then, uh, you know, others, uh, uh, I can't think of anybody that, uh, uh you know, is pleased that uh, they pulled the plug quite this fast, but, uh, uh, and then, you know, in this the science, whatever it is, uh, you know, there's all sides of that. I mean, you know, everybody says the science, you know, anytime, anytime somebody wants to hide behind something, you know, they throw science out there. You know, everybody says, well, the science, the science, the science. Well, you know, you can get whatever answer you want with the science, you know. Uh, so, you know, I mean, and then obviously with the, the plug being pulled, uh, some of them don't feel like the science justified it.
4: We got the uh, roster today, of course coach, and uh l- looking through it it seemed like everybody was accounted for there, but uh it, ha- is there any guys that's considering opting out this season um or, or any guys that are on that roster right now that that may not be there come
6: come the first game?
1: uh not that I'm aware of, but they're you know they're certainly welcome to exercise their right to do that, you know.
6: Hey, Coach. Um, just wondering what your reaction was to the schedule reveal and how that has kind of adjusted your preparation. Kind of not knowing who you're going to play week one.
1: Um. Well, it, it it did a little since we didn't have camp and it's a shorter period. And then the other thing, uh, the period's shorter. In addition, everybody says, "Well, you got this many days," and you do have this many days. But you know, we're in school right now. So it's not this many days where you get to just monopolize, uh, you know, the time for two weeks and, um, you know, and really, uh, saturate, uh, you know, what you're trying to teach and and things like that. It has a little, uh, the schedule, you know, presents, uh, you know, hardship and opportunity for everybody. I don't, I don't really have a better way to do it. I can see, you know, there's some schedules, which, uh, which, uh, maybe I'm jealous of, and there's some schedules I'm glad I don't have. Uh, But uh, I don't know. How would you like to be the schedule guy? I mean, that'd be a fun job, wouldn't it? Me being the schedule guy, that'd be like being a police officer in Portland, wouldn't it? But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, how would you
6: like to be the schedule guy? Well, just a quick follow-up. Just, uh, you know, did it really get the competitive juices flowing, seeing that you're going to get LSU week one?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, okay, so, yeah, it's, it's LSU. Okay, well, what if it was Georgia? Well, what if it was Alabama? What if it was Auburn? What if it, you know, the list goes on. I mean, I knew it was going to be somebody. So um, I, I will say this, and this is, I think, going to be exciting for college football. Um, and I think that you guys would all agree with me on this. Um, this is probably uh, the most uh, – Uh, competitive and demanding schedule in the history of college football. Not just for us, but for for our whole conference, you know. I mean, if there's ever been an era, a day, a time uh, where there's been a more competitive schedule, a more demanding schedule uh, than what we have uh, this season in the SEC uh, for all the teams involved, I'd be curious which one that is.
3: That was Mike Leach after practice yesterday. We'll talk about some of what he said, including uh, wouldn't like to be a police officer in Portland right now, which is true statement. Uh, we'll talk about that uh, and play a little bit more coming up. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Well, the University of North Carolina with an interesting announcement. According to Bruce Feldman of uh, Fox, UNC announces that due to a surge of positive COVID-19 tests on campus, Carolina Athletics will suspend athletic activities for all sports teams until at least 5 p.m. Thursday, August 20th. It's less than 24 hours from now. <laughs>
4: what? I <laughs> All I now had to say was football we're just practice not this morning, tomorrow, right? <laughs>
3: yeah, I mean. no, but I mean that would mean football practice this morning, and they could practice tomorrow night. Pretty much, yeah. Maybe
0: they're just, you know, they're just trying to say, hey, we're gonna take an extra, we're gonna do some extra sanitation measures. I don't know,
4: or giving the guys I mean, a day they should, off. They should be doing that anyway, but regardless. So, do you think they have to make a decision? Though, do you think university administrators are sitting here now saying, "Look, we're having to go to online only." Which also is kind of a farce when people point that out. Oh, North Carolina's going online only. Like 80% of Ole Miss's classes, I'm sure Mississippi State is the same, are all online. So almost everybody is doing basically online-only learning anyway. But still, do you think North Carolina is having to sit down and decide or even think about in this decision what playing on a closed campus would mean? Do you think that they're even considering what that would look like if they decide to to play? Because it, your friend Cole Kublik said back in May on Twitter, but he reshared it again today, that playing on a closed campus just opens the curtain to what college football really is. Now, most of the people listening, and obviously you two, know very well what college football really is about, and that's making money, but he said that Places are afraid to have that curtain pulled back. Do you think that's something North Carolina has to look at in the next day? Whether or not they're willing to show everybody that college football is about making money and having these kids on campus is what makes us money.
3: It's all about making money. It's not just college football; it's kind of life, but like like nothing happens without revenue, and it's not. There's a different a difference, okay? It, so in private business, it's about making profit. Well, not no, hold on. Back up a second. Let me back up a second. And I'm sure there's somebody that teaches, you know intro to business principles or economics that that might quibble with my my word choice here. In publicly traded companies, it's about profit and meeting quarterly earnings, expectations, and whatnot. In In small private business, profit is nice, but cash flow is king right? It's about just keeping the money moving. That's been the hardest kind of principle for Jane to wrap her mind around around in being a relatively new small business owner. A couple of years into it, it took her a while to really wrap her mind around the, the, the concept of cash flow. It's like, well, I made this much profit. Well, that's fine. But how much money do you have in the bank? How much money do you have coming in to pay these bills so that you can turn around and buy more clothes and you can pay yourself and you can pay your employees and you can pay the light bill and just just it's it's this never-ending cycle and if you can make a little bit of profit along the way it's great. Richard Gecko over here. He is liquid. Universities I think are probably a lot more like small private businesses and less about less like, you know, Fortune 500 companies where you're trying to show profit for shareholders. They got to keep the cash flow going. This is what we were talking about yesterday. And 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 it doesn't make them terrible places. Like like universities and university leadership, it's like people want to paint them with this negative brush because oh, well you're just in it for the money. Well not like in it for the money from my standpoint, so we can say we're making a ton of profit. But yes, how do we continue to keep the revenue flowing so that we can keep the lights on and we can keep the grass mowed, and we can keep the teachers paid and we can keep the staff paid and we can keep uh, the dorms in good repair and we can do the the you know maintenance that needs to be done. All of the things that cost money have to be paid for. And they're paid for, And by the way, universities have been on like a 40-year boom cycle, and they're growing, and they've gotten nicer, and more offerings, and more teachers, and better dorms, and all those things. All of that stuff gets paid for by student fees and tuition. I mean, schools don't just charge exorbitant amounts of tuition because, you know what? we really want to see if we can screw mom and pop out of an extra $1,000 a semester. It's, no, our cost of bus- doing business goes up. And so we can't just, like, make that money appear from a tree in the middle of the grove or a tree on the edge of the junction. We can't just go pick the money off the, off the tree and pay depends for the what, new... Depends on what booster tailgates underneath that tree. You know, to be honest. You've always got jokes, don't you?
0: That's sort of my role, I think.
3: Yeah. Anyway, you you get what I'm saying in all this. I don't even know what the original question was, Borky.
4: Just simply, are they, do you think they're considering what playing football would look like? And I mean, we talk about it a lot, but now they're faced with having a football team still playing when every other student is not allowed to be on campus. That's what they're faced with. And we talked all summer, and you've had so many people mention that college football can't do it. Well, North Carolina's got to decide if they're going to, and they're not going to be the only one. Notre Dame's up against a decision like that. There are going to be outbreaks on campuses all over the country because this is a virus that spreads, and the overwhelming majority of all the students won't even know they have it. But that's the decision they're making. So is North Carolina considering that? what it would look like or I'm do sure they, they even are. care at this point?
3: Well, I'm sure they are. I mean, I'm sure they're considering it, but when it's all said and done, they don't have a, a way to pay for everything otherwise, and so they're con- going to continue to do online virtual learning and they're going to have their professors teaching those classes and their student athletes are going to take online classes like every other student, but they're also going to hang out in Chapel Hill either in on-campus or off-campus residences and they're going to be less susceptible to virus because there are going to be fewer people there, and they're going to continue to practice and they're going to play games.
4: Yeah. And what gets lost in all of this? I have found, like your sport, your favorite sports reporters how how can they bring students back to campus? Because they want to be there. How, how can you ask the football team to play? Because they want to. College football players want to play. Are we forgetting the hashtag We Want to Play movement? Are we forgetting that? Are we forgetting that they can opt out and keep their scholarship if they want to? An old Miss player recently has made that decision. He was supported by his coach in a press conference. He's going to get to continue to go to school and get his higher education, and he doesn't have to play ball, and it's still all paid for. Like That's what gets lost in all of this. How can you ask them to, to play and generate all the revenue for the school? How can you ask them to do that? Because they want to. College football players, spoiler alert, Love playing football. And if you give them the opportunity to do it,
3: they're going to do it. Bruce Feldman on a bit of a heater this afternoon. He just tweeted a screenshot of Tom Mars FOIA letter to Michigan specifically. He is requesting all public records, including electronic or computer-based information that reflect communication of any kind that, A, occurred between August 1st and August 19th, B, to which either the university's president or the university's director of athletics or both were a party, and C, which included any of the following words or phrases. The search terms, Ackerman, attendance, Big Ten, budget, campus, cancel, cancellation, conference, COVID, COVID COVID-19. I'm assuming there are more words because those are alphabetical.
0: Ackerman? Like yeah. Worrying uh, about what's going on in Choctaw County?
3: No, or, uh, the Dr. Ackerman guy that the uh, Big 12 oh, okay. talked to uh, from Mayo Clinic. Can't you, can't you see the people at Michigan? Oh, hey, Tom Mars was on the phone. Great, let's talk to him. That's our
4: friend. What? So two weeks ago, yeah. Tom Mars was saying, hey, lawyers want the SEC to play so they can sue. And now it's... The Big Ten better play, or we're gonna sue.
3: Hmm. There is a theme there, Borky. You know what it is? Going to sue. Somebody's gonna get. Somebody's getting money out of this deal. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at Super SuperTalk uh, Supertalk.fm. Take a quick timeout. We will return to Mike Leach's first post-practice press conference. lot of alliteration there. And uh, let you hear the rest of it when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. A few minutes ago, we gave you part number one of Mike Leach's press conference after yesterday's opening day practice. You like hearing Mike Leach talk? So do we. So here's a little bit more from yesterday. Brian Haydad and others talking with Mike Leach post-practice number one.
2: Coach, uh, C.J. Morgan was a big tackler last
6: year for Mississippi State and had the big injury. Where where is he right now availability-wise? And uh, do you expect him to be ready to go for LSU?
1: Do I expect him to do what? To be ready to play opening week against LSU. Um, I think so. Um, You know, we have to wait and see. I mean, we're all hopeful, so we'll have to see how it unfolds. I wish I could give you a better answer. You know, these – you know, in in some of these names, you can throw out a little better than I can because you're familiar with them from last year. But then, um, but now we're hopeful. We're waiting. We're waiting to see, you know, how it unfolds and that type of thing. And uh, you know, just uh, I'm trying to get strong, get ready to go. Coach, is Tyler Williams going to be available this year? Was he at practice today? Shoot, I coached the ones I saw. Was Tyler Williams at practice? No, he was not. No, he was not. I'm not sure where he was. Uh, You know, I guess I'll probably know here in about uh, within the next 30 minutes.
6: Yeah, Coach, I wanted to get your perspective on just the the mental. I wanted to get your perspective on the mental part of the game. Of course, a lot of guys have been doing Zooms and a lot of the virtual meetings. But now they're actually on the field putting those concepts, you know, into practice. What have you seen the – the improvement needs to meet. Then that needs to be made there, or did you say, "Hey, these guys have really picked up where they left off from all those virtual meetings"?
1: I thought that they picked up a lot more. For, for I thought they picked up a lot from the virtual meetings. I would say more than I thought they would, because it's a challenge. Uh, you know, as uh, as you guys and I sit here, I mean, we find this challenging. I would think, at least I do, because you know, um, you know the the. The human interaction part is, I think, uh, a big deal. You know, everybody there together. As far as out there on the field, um, it's almost like they feel kind of unleashed, I think, in many cases. And um, just excited to be out there and uh, kind of a sigh of relief and kind of a a knock on wood, uh, 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 let's uh, keep rolling, and hopefully we can stay out here. I mean, everybody... uh, is, uh, I would say I would categorize it as grateful and relieved, uh, that we're out here and able to practice. And I think that, uh, uh, the energy has been really good. And I think a portion of that has to do with the fact that for a period of time, um, they lost something that is very meaningful to them that they've worked their whole lives for. And we're afraid that it may not come back this season. And I think that, um, uh you know uh one day in so far so good hoping it sustains and uh they are thrilled to death to be out there and and i think uh they would all agree with me on that i think that that's you know really been the reaction of uh nearly everybody you know i think uh oh we all found other things to do some of them some of us not as well as others but um you know, and even if it was uh, quite fulfilling for the short run, I think that um, you know everybody's uh, uh, glad to you know uh, have some semblance of uh, being back to doing uh, you know what we've uh, trained to do and prepared to do.
2: <clears throat> Coach, uh, how do you feel about your your offense against that kind of schedule that you that that you're facing? You know, with with air raid, uh, you, you know, what what things do you kind of? what what possibilities do you see in terms of what you can execute against, you know, even against LSU? Uh, I like the
1: fact that we cover a lot of the field. I like the fact that we get it in a lot of people's hands. And um, as we develop players are able to utilize a lot of people's talents. Um, You know, I worry about uh, how, how, uh, how quickly we can get over the learning curve. I mean, you never, you know, there's no real destinations in this. I mean, you keep getting better. It's like, you know watching jerry rice after he leaves the pro bowl uh lifting weights running the hill uh, catching balls uh even after he's already the greatest receiver that's ever played i mean there's constant improvement there's a lot of things you can work on um but i think uh at this point you know we have more big strides to take and we have to uh, do everything we can to take those strides and that thing is is you know, you can say LSU or name any team. I mean, it, it can be any team because, you know, in the end, what you're really competing with is yourself. I mean, all you have uh, is how good you are and how good you can be. And you're always trying to seek that. And so um, no matter who you're playing, you want to be the best team that you can possibly be because uh, that gives you the best opportunity.
6: Yeah, Mike, you spent a lot of time talking there about how thrilled everybody is to be out there and obviously a lot of this is fluid with you know what people are doing to make sure that you guys can stay out there nick saban had a quote i think it was today maybe yesterday about some of the pictures he's seen about guys you know just random students congregating in these bar districts and whatnot i'm wondering what your message is to your team to make sure you know they kind of stay away from that so they can stay on the field and then as a follow-up to that how do you kind of police that how do you make sure they're doing the right things
1: Uh, We've talked about it constantly. Uh, We've talked about it uh, constantly, and we'll continue to talk about it constantly. Um, You know, the honest answer on it is is there really isn't a a ton that we can do beyond that. You know, I mean, you know, uh, know, everybody can talk about all the elaborate measures that they want. But, um, you know, I mean, you know, I don't know what you're doing when you leave this meeting, you know. I don't know what you decided to do. And, and, and so, and, you know, and so multiply that times 120 and then, uh, and so, yeah, we are kind of, uh, uh, you know, the best thing that we can do is uh, educate uh, to the extent that we can and then, uh, and then uh, go on from there. Yeah. Mike, in terms of
2: playbook implementation, especially for, you know, group of players that are learning an entirely new system and with it kind of being more of a sprint to this
1: season as opposed to regular years is there any simplification that you have to use or or is it just you know business as usual no i think we'll have to simplify some things and i think that's something that uh, you know we have to be as disciplined about as we can because um you know i'll tell you what happens is uh You know, like it was at Washington State, however many years, I forget how many, but, um, you know, that was something that was built over a series of years. And the fact that, uh, you know, somebody that's a junior or senior that came up with this, you know, knows this, that and the other thing and various wrinkles or maybe something a little more exotic or something like that, uh, that we can uh, all of a sudden master that in a very short period of time that's not realistic. And I think that we need to constantly be aware of that. And I would appreciate it if uh, um, you remind me of that on pretty much a daily basis, because we definitely need to, um, you know, the best plays are the ones you can execute. And we have to figure out what we can execute and what we can execute best. We're still searching for that a little bit, but I do think there will definitely have to be some, uh, some simplification. Mike, with, with the short season, no
0: non-conference game, have you given any thought to how you plan to handle redshirting this year?
1: Uh, no. No, I've got to figure out. I mean, right, well, I know how I'm going to handle it in the end, I, but I don't have a, a perfect answer on hardly any of them at this point. I mean, the thing is, is so, um, you know, redshirting, how I've always done it, and it's worked out uh, in a pretty good fashion, I mean, it's really pretty easy. If you're in the too deep, you don't redshirt. Uh, you know, uh, even if you'd be inclined to, I mean, if you're in the too deep, the team needs you, okay? If you're not in the too deep uh, then and you have a redshirt year, it's, it's, it's wise to preserve the year. So, you know, I, I've always gauged it by whether somebody's in the too deep where it becomes a moving target is we're still um, getting familiar with the skills of our team. And then uh, – so we have to make those evaluations quickly. The other thing is, is uh, new guys, young guys, uh, they develop, uh, you know, what they uh, can't do, say, uh, a week of the first game. They might be able to do by the third game. And then, you know, you kind of hope that you don't uh, preemptively redshirt a guy that can help you or somebody that's on a quick roll that's going to flatten out. You hope that, uh, you don't say, all right, we're not redshirting this guy. And then you end up playing them and wish you hadn't. And you know, you, you try to have as little of that as you possibly can. But the rule of thumb is: is if we think they're in the too deep, um, we plan to play them. If we don't think they're in the too deep, then we're going to be inclined to redshirt them.
3: So that was Mike Leach yesterday after Mississippi State's first practice. A lot of that is, you know, big picture stuff, general questions. Brian Haydad has now heard all of that twice. And so, when we come back, we'll uh, we'll talk about the things that Mike Leach said yesterday that stood out, um, in terms of his plan for the season, preparation, maybe scaling things back a little bit, kind of some interesting thoughts on the uh, the red shirt conversation as well. Some of that common sense, but hearing a coach kind of lay out the way he approaches that particular scenario is uh, is interesting. Sports Talk, Mississippi. One more segment with you in this 4 o'clock hour when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. All right, hey, Dan, so you've heard it twice now. You heard it uh, live yesterday, Mike Leach, for uh, 20 minutes or so, we play it back now as well. What stood out to you from uh, thoughts on Mississippi State's head coach after one practice.
0: You know, we talked a lot about Mike Leach's offense, you know, when he was hired. And he he said that, you know, he felt like they'd have a pretty good grasp of it within a couple of weeks. I read that article from the Athletics, uh, Jason Jinks, where all of his former quarterbacks said it's the simplest offense you can imagine. And now he's going to talk about simplifying it even more. I mean, what are we doing here? Is it like Kevin on the office where he was using just short words? You know, you run, I catch. What 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 how much more simple can this offense possibly be? So that's had that has me intrigued. Especially when you have veterans, you know, at quarterback, at running back, and you've got veteran receivers, they just haven't done been very productive. So I'm I'm interested to see how much more simple this offense can get.
3: Yeah, because when he was first introduced he said, Yeah, it really doesn't take long to install. Yeah. But I guess the idea was it doesn't take long for us to install it at a basic level in the spring. And then start rehashing those things, and guys have done it physically in addition to mentally. And then we'll turn around and be able to do that again in the fall. Right. Maybe
0: that's it. So we'll we'll, we'll see. But he says he's going to simplify things. So I'm, I'm interested. You know, you look at his first year at Washington State. I mean, that would still, if he could achieve what he did there in terms of yardage, it would be a record season at Mississippi State. They threw for almost four thousand yards. Uh, they were ninth nationally in passing offense right, right from the jump. So, you know, can Mississippi State do that? I, I don't know. Uh, but, I mean, I don't, I don't, I would believe from a talent standpoint, Mississippi State has more talented players than Washington State did
3: in 2012. Borky, anything for you stand out? Um, I- being, being a schedule maker is about as much fun as being a police officer <laughs> in Portland right now. He
0: got
4: uh, one
3: in, yeah. I, I don't envy uh, either of those people. I, I
4: want somebody to ask a coach about the apparently <clears throat> contentious meeting and if they're willing to say anything about it. Or not meeting, but the call among coaches that apparently got hot because some of them were mad. I want somebody to say, hey Coach, so there was a report that a call between the 14 of you about scheduling was pretty contentious. Um, was that your perspective on that meeting? were you okay with the schedule that was given to you? Just to see, especially a talker like Mike, just to see if he'll be like, yeah, you know, Sam up there, he wasn't real thrilled about the schedule he got, and he let us know about it. You know what I mean? Hmm. I want to know who was mad about their schedule.
3: Um, C Spire text line, true, Brian, but we don't play Washington State-type competition.
0: But As I just said to him, but State does have better talent, so that sort of balances itself out. Yeah, they, there wasn't a Kylan Hill on Washington State's first team. There wasn't King a Biscuit. Costello. So.
3: Yeah, King Biscuit says, uh, if you believe Mike Leach' offense is that easy, I've got beachfront property to sell you. I'm assuming he means in a place like Arizona or Tennessee.
0: Well, then every quarterback he has is lying to us because they all say it's incredibly easy.
3: Um, Seems like I remember a certain O.C. in the state one time bragging about how simple his offense was as well. And in fairness, they put up big numbers. Against bad teams. And against bad teams.
4: Well, it was the other side that was more concerning. Simple offenses can work, relatively speaking. I mean, when you look at these teams that run this RPO stuff, there was one breakdown of, we'll talk about Hugh Freeze, and his offense was successful in the bowl game against Pittsburgh. A scoring drive, they ran the same play, every single play on the drive. But it went to different players, and it looked different because of reads and stuff like that. So simple offenses can't have success. In Ole Miss's case, it was the other side of the ball that scared you. You remember the defensive scheme where they were getting roasted by everyone, and every week you heard, oh, we're just going to simplify. Limit the menu was the the favorite phrase. Mm. We don't have the personnel that matches up, so we're going to make it easier to scheme against our players that aren't as good as our opponents. That was when it got really scary.
3: Also, C Spire text line, Hogman says he's got October 24th circled. He says, I'm ready to see how great Ole Miss is since y'all believe they can win five.
4: I know you listened to the show yesterday because you texted the show yesterday. Did anybody here say that Ole Miss was going to win five games this season? In fact, I I, I think think the way I couched it
3: was if everything goes right, Right. Yes. Then there is a roadmap to five wins for Ole Miss. Right. Exactly. Which is not exactly the same as saying Ole Miss is going to go five and five.
6: Right. Yeah. If you had, if
3: you were given the over under of five right now, you would take Hog- the under. Oh man, I'm curious. Of, what do you think Arkansas's go record going to be? Honestly. And he says you said they could. I said yeah, they they could if everything goes right, then they could potentially win. Everything going right would include an upset win in Week 2 at Kentucky. And the other four would be Arkansas, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, and Mississippi State. I mean, I think that's the roadmap, or, or the simplest roadmap to five. There are other ways that you can get there, obviously. We'll see. College football fix is coming your way in just a couple of minutes as we roll toward the five o'clock hour on this Wednesday edition of Sports Talk Mississippi. Stay tuned.
6: And I how to get along and so back from outer space. This your jam, hey Dad? I just walked in to find you here with that sad I like the look cake
3: version of it better. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm, 5 o'clock on this Wednesday afternoon, the 19th of August. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, Brian Haydad, thanks for being with us. The C Spire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. Want more fast and less furious? Switch to C Spire Fiber and see what real internet looks like. No data caps, no long-term contracts, no cancellation fees. Don't settle for slow speeds, lousy reliability, and bad customer service. From the other guys with C Spire, you get gigabit speeds, almost 100% reliability, and local point, uh, 24-7 support. So nothing slows you down. See if C Spire Fiber is available in your area. You can do that right now by visiting cspire.com slash fiber. All of a sudden, we've got a bunch to get to in the college football fix. It's driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Summer sales event going on right now. Great savings on the full lineup of Ford SUVs. You can also get behind the wheel of an F-150 best-selling truck in America for 43 straight years. I put a bunch of miles on mine in the last couple of weeks, and it is... As good a ride going down the road as it was the day it rolled off the lot. Ford F-150, best-selling truck in America for, again, 43 straight years. Uh, sources tell The Athletic, and Pete Thamel from Yahoo apparently first, the Division one Council is recommending to the NCAA Board of Directors that all fall sport athletes keep their year of eligibility... No matter if they play in fall or spring or how many games, the board must approve this in order for it to be enacted on Friday. That is big. Common sense prevailing. If I'm reading that correctly, that means regardless of whether you play in the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the MAC, the Mountain West Conference... The SEC, the ACC, the Big 12, Conference USA, the Sun Belt, and so on. This is a free year in terms of eligibility. Still so has to get approved, but yes. That's, that's right. That's how that reads. So that's what the D1 Council is recommending to the NCAA Board of Directors. Will they be smart enough to answer... The questions that go along with that immediately, or will they just put this into place and then figure it out down the line? And the question is, what about roster sizes? Yeah, because what does that mean going forward? And how long will you allow outsized rosters to exist? Because if everybody gets a year of eligibility back, obviously not everybody's coming back. Let's say you're at 85 scholarships right now, which is currently the max, and you're allowed to sign a maximum of 25 in a given year, and of those 85, um, let's say 12 guys, let just say 15 guys to make it easy in terms of numbers, choose to come back and exercise that extra year of eligibility. Well, if you have no other attrition, that would take you to a roster size of 100, assuming another signing class in the coming year. Or if your roster right now is at 85 and you have an additional 25 that come in next year, that'd take you to 110 plus another 10 or 15. I mean, that that could take a roster size to 120, couldn't it?
0: Do you do it like sort of the reverse of probation, you know, or when you get uh, NCAA penalties, they say okay, in year one you're down to sixty five scholarships, and then over four years you creep back up to eighty five. Do they say okay, you start at one ten, and then in four years you need to be back down by to eighty five?
3: One way or another, yeah. Or or is it or are there benchmarks along the way where you can have a roster yeah, size no, of and, up yeah. to one ten next year?
0: It goes one ten to one hundred to ninety to, to, to eighty five. 85.
3: That would make a lot of sense. But you've got to put a four- or five-year plan in place because of class sizes and the other restrictions that are in place. Could this mean a place like Southern Miss would benefit? Uh, uh, A
4: higher-level, higher-ish-level recruit that would go to a mid- to lower-tier SEC or ACC or Big 12 school school or whatever, but then they look at the roster size and think, there's 110 guys there. It may be a while before I play. But I could go to Southern Miss and I could start soon. Do you think hmm. that comes to play here?
2: Uh,
0: not any more than it already does.
4: I mean, because. But when it's we, 110 guys you're competing against, yeah, versus I get 85. That.
0: I get that, but there are kids who you're going to have a tough time telling that kid that I can't win the job at, at Alabama or I can't win the job at Mississippi State or wherever. I mean that there, we were thinking about this, talking about this the other day. There's some kids at state recruited that are you know fourth string in Alabama right now, and maybe in hindsight, yeah, they should have come to Mississippi State. But it's tough to tell a kid on signing day with that Alabama offer in hand,
3: don't go there. You know the th- this addresses part of the issue, but this this sham idea of spring football. Or football in the second semester, where you're going to play an abbreviated schedule and then you're going to turn around and play another full schedule or perhaps another abbreviated schedule the following fall. It it doesn't address that. And it doesn't address what we were talking about earlier that Lane Kiffin and others have advocated for, which is you can allow free transfer for any school that shut down football in the fall. And here's the issue. Not playing in the fall or playing in the fall is not the same as playing in the spring. Even if spring football happens, it's not the same. You're going to have seniors that go, I signed up for fall football, not another spring football. I'm done. You're going to have draft-eligible juniors and seniors who say, nope, not going to do this. Just, Just doesn't give me enough time. I'm not going to play a spring season in January, February and into March. Finish that hopefully healthy a month before the draft. And look, the NFL's a cutthroat business. I mean, it, you, we we talk about college football being a business, the NFL is the ultimate business. Who's the player yesterday for the Cowboys? Um there was an exclusion for a quad injury in his contract. And if he had an additional quad Gerald injury... McCoy. then Say again? Gerald McCoy. Yeah, Gerald yeah. McCoy. There was an exclusion. If he had a quad injury that caught him not, caused him not to be able to play, maybe because there was a previous injury there, then he could be cut. And that's exactly what the Cowboys did. Announced a quad injury, didn't know how long he was going to be out. They've already paid him $3 million. He gets to keep that. The rest of his contract is voided. He's done. If you have a serious knee injury... And you're a second, third, fourth round projected pick. Does that mean now you don't get drafted? I mean, if you have a serious knee injury and you're Jeffrey Simmons, where everybody wants you and there's a team or multiple teams that are willing to say, yeah, I'll take him with the 16th pick of the draft and just let him sit for a year because you know what you're getting. The issue is not with the the, the surefire first round guys. The issue is, do you take the chance of playing in the spring and suffering an injury if you're a likely NFL player, but you're not a first or second-round draft pick. Borky, you Good mentioned question. Southern Miss a second ago. The, uh, the, the string of guys opting out and announcing their plans to transfer continued today. This is four in three days, if I'm counting correctly, as another player opted out today, defensive lineman. Garrett Crawford he is opting out of the 2020 season and plans to transfer. He tweeted that from his own Twitter account. He said, First, I want to thank the University of Southern Miss coaching staff for the opportunity not many players get. I want to thank Coach Hop and Coach Boone for helping me on and off the field these past two years. To my brothers, I wish the best for all of you this upcoming season and everything forward. That being said, I will be opting out and entering the transfer portal. That's four guys in the last three days, including three that say they're transferring out.
4: Raises some questions, doesn't it, about uh, why that's happening. Uh, I saw somebody suggest that this could be happening because they don't want to lose that year of eligibility with the uncertainty that the season uh, may get cut short. You know, you play a couple of games and then that's it and you lose that year of eligibility. I wonder if this potential um, rule change for the year uh, would circumvent some of the opting out and transferring.
3: Maybe. Maybe. Maybe you play just whatever you can play, and then you transfer out. I mean, if your plan is to transfer, maybe you say, and there's really no reason for me not to just sit and play this year. Or if you think you can transfer and land a spot somewhere else immediately, maybe you take advantage of that so you can get into the new system and be part of the team and practice with the team and not lose a year of eligibility and then turn around and you're really in a good situation the following day. Patrick McGee earlier tweeted most of the USM players that have opted out realize they wouldn't be given their year of eligibility back. They see uncertainty and are taking the chance to sit out and transfer. Well, that could be changing right now, so maybe the question you asked, Michael, is a valid one. More coming up, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at FM. Back to you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Wednesday afternoon, middle of the week, 19th of August. Thanks for being with us. I can't read the entire thing. If you want to read the entire thing, you can... uh, It's everywhere online. But Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, has written an open letter to anybody that cares to read it. And... In this letter, he outlines the primary factors that led to the Council of Presidents and Chancellor's decision to shut things down in the Big Ten. I I do have questions. Chief among them, why in the world did you not present this information a week ago when you shut it down? It, It comes across as haphazard and poorly thought out. In not having this particular information ready when you made the announcement. It was almost like Kevin Warren, the presidents and chancellors and the Big Ten thought, hey we're just gonna tell them we're not playing and everybody else accepted and move on. I think that's part of it. I think the other thing is, they thought they had company. That they thought that they were going to be the leader and that the Big Twelve and the ACC, and the SEC were going to follow. They knew the Pac twelve was going to follow. Oops. Wrong, but then. So here's part of the letter. I'm not going to read the entire thing to you again. I write on this occasion to share with you additional information regarding the Big Ten Conference's decision to postpone the fall sports season. We thoroughly understand and deeply value what sports mean to our student-athletes, their families, our coaches, and fans. The vote by the Big Ten Council of Presidents and Chancellors was overwhelmingly in support of postponing fall sports and will not be revisited. Period. Hey, Dad, you wondered out loud on Monday with new information. Will they walk it back? Nope. They will not. They will be not. There will be, walk be no it
0: walking it back.
3: The decision was thorough and deliberative, and based on sound feedback, guidance, and advice from medical experts. Despite the decision to postpone fall sports, we continue our work to find a path forward that creates a healthy and safe environment for all Big Ten student athletes to compete in the sports they love, in a manner that helps to prevent the spread of COVID-19 and protects both student-athletes and the surrounding communities. He cites some statistics. Borky, there was one in particular that bothered you. Where he points out that the number of positive COVID tests continue to rise. And that's just not true. It's not true. It's the, just not true. Since the 18th of
4: last month, so one month, the seven-day average has gone down by 20,000. The curve, if you look at it, is it's very much going the, uh, the direction we want it to go. I, does, he, does he not realize we have Google?
3: Listed below are the primary factors that led to the Big Ten COPC decision, Council of Presidents and Chancellors. He says transmission rates continue to rise at an alarming rate with little indication from medical experts that our campuses, communities, or country could gain control of the spread of the virus prior to the start of competition. As our teams were ramping up for more intense practices, many of our medical staff did not think the interventions we had planned would be adequate to decrease the potential spread, even with very regular testing. Also, as the general student body comes back to campus, spread to student-athletes could reintroduce infection into our athletic community. I think could... Is a rather important word there. He says there's simply too much we do not know about the virus, recovery from infection, and longer term effects. While the data uh, data on cardiomyopathy is preliminary and incomplete, the uncertain risk was unacceptable at this time. Concerns around contact tracing still exist. With the start of full contact practices and competitions, it became increasingly clear that contact tracing and quarantining would risk frequent and significant disruptions to the practice and competition calendar. Significant concerns also exist regarding the testing supply chain generally for many of our institutions. It says financial considerations did not influence the COPC decision as the postponement will have enormous adverse financial implications. We understand the passion of the many student-athletes and their families who were disappointed by the decision, but also know there are many who have a great deal of concern and anxiety regarding the pandemic. And for the record, those could opt out at any time without penalty. They've put together a task force because, of course, they have. A bunch of important people on it to try and figure out how to do stuff going forward. Well, good for them. I mean, yeah, good for them. Why didn't you have this ready to go when you announced you were shutting down the conference? I think you nailed it. That's uh, It's just unacceptable. I mean, frankly, you can agree or disagree with all or part of what is in this letter from Kevin Warren. But at least there's sound reasoning. You can say, oh, that's not accurate. And he says, well, that's okay if you don't think that. We believe it's accurate. You can say, well, what about the dissenting medical opinions that think it's okay? What about the overreaction to what ifs? You, You can say all of those things and disagree with the rationale, but at least here there is clear rationale. This letter would not have been written If Justin Fields didn't put together a moveon.org petition with 255,000 signatures on it, it wouldn't exist if the parents associations at Ohio State and Penn State and Iowa and wherever else had not come down and said, we want answers. It wouldn't exist if you hadn't had multiple programs come out and say, we disagree, and it wouldn't exist if you hadn't had sitting athletics directors and a university president go, we're not even sure an actual vote happened. This letter would not have been published. Because Kevin Warren and the Big Ten didn't expect to get the pushback. Now, if you look at the links to this, You know, one of the questions that everybody's going to ask. I mean, similar, hey, Dad, to when we tweeted out the information about Ole Miss earlier today. Right. A bunch of the responses were, as you would expect, I'm sure it was limited to track and field and women's basketball. (laughs) Okay. Witty enough. It's funny. Witty enough. But here you go. And so the question that a bunch of people are sending to Kevin Warren, which of course he's not going to respond to, is yeah, but your son's playing football in the SEC. Exactly. Which is. I mean, in some a ways. Fair, in in it's some fair. ways, it's. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, it's unfair for Powers Warren because he hasn't done anything yeah, wrong. It's unfair for Powers Warren. It's un- it's
0: fair enough for-, for Kevin Warren, though. In my opinion. Hmm. You don't blame the child for the sins of the father,
2: you yeah. know? Well.
3: Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Ceasefire text line open, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Jeff says, so has Kevin's Kevin Warren's son. Still not opted out.
0: No. He, he was on the roster that was uh, released yesterday.
3: Um, Jason says, cross Borky, I did this last week. Compare which campuses in the Big Ten and Pac-12 are directly involved in spikes. Pac-12 has six, seven counting Seattle. The Big Ten, zero. Their campuses are as isolated as from hotspots as are the secs i mean you look at the pac 12 okay los angeles hotspot you got usc and ucla i guess tucson and phoenix fall into the hotspot category in arizona seattle obviously with university of washington and then you know san francisco northern california you're talking about cal and stanford And
4: San Francisco is actually a a coronavirus success story when you consider the density of that city, one of the most dense cities in the country, and the travel from Asia to that city, their infection rate and death rate and stuff was much smaller than their New York counterpart for sure, even Los Angeles, but still San Francisco for a time was a a significant point because
3: of those uh, things I mentioned. Greg and Nettleton Funny story I think My lady doctor friend bought supper last night We watched every pitch of Yankees Rays She doesn't know what's going on Work in progress I was telling how Mr. Cross was a huge Yankees fan She said I try to catch them on the radio uh, On my way home every day Or I guess he said that And she looks at me and says So serious Talking about that Cross fella He's so smug Greg says he liked to have fallen out of his chair True story Richard he says, I love you, but you got work to do with her. Thanks, Greg. Good win for your raise last night. First home loss of the season for the New York Yankees. Ceasefire text line Is it still considered a pandemic? Mm, I, I guess think, so. I think about the scientific term, yes. Can teams that elect to play in the fall also field a team in the spring? Yeah, I don't think so. Sports Talk Mississippi will be right back. Sports Talk, Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Several questions popping up. Ceasefire text line. Shane and Ripley, could one of the teams not playing go out on their own and play some of the teams in other conferences that are playing like Ohio State? Eh, people kind of kicked that idea around, but that got shut down pretty quickly. Creates pretty quickly. more problems than it solves. Just, there's too
0: many issues with TV rights and things of that nature.
3: Yeah. Um, Ed and Brandon says... There's no way they will play football in the spring if the other conferences play in the fall. They can't turn around and play again in the fall, so they will be permanently off schedule with the other conferences. Yeah. I mean to me, I mean that's a big part of the concern, right? So that's a, a great
0: point. I mean, if you're a Big Ten school that has a or a Pac-12 school that has a 2021 game scheduled in SEC, ACC, Big Twelve, that's that, that game's not going to happen. I don't think.
3: This we'll is a fascinating I... point slash question to me. The conferences choosing to play will be healthy enough to finish the season. The question is strictly, can the administrations and conference officials handle the negative press that is going to continue to come as the respective, at the respective offices? Because it's not a matter of if someone tests positive, but when multiple people test positive. It's a, a good a, question. And that's something that I've said you know, as we've kind of led up to this is how strong are the president's, chancellors, AD's commissioners in their conviction to go forward with the season. won't be negative press. But, is the positive press and the goodwill that comes from playing a season, whether it's advisable or not, does that outweigh the negative press that's going to accompany it? With the stakeholders involved in their school,
4: yes. Because, look at Glenn Boyce and Mark Keenum, for example. If... Somehow, Ole Miss and Mississippi State are able to play a season, and both teams have players that test positive and have to quarantine, but they play a season and they get all 10 games in. There will be national negative coverage, especially after the positive test, and they play a game following that positive test. But their students, their faculty, and the people around town, the boosters... The alumni donors will mm-hmm. thank them for putting the
0: season I, on.
3: I, I think you're spot on, The people
0: Borky. that matter is what you're trying to say, Borky. The yes. people that matter to those people will, will be in their, their corner. I don't think Keenum and Boyce give a rat's behind if Stuart Mandel and Dan Wolken are, are supporting them, if the various universities and, more importantly, the alumni base and the donors are supporting them.
3: The local business communities?
4: They will have goodwill for a long time. And you remember the criticism about the NBA bubble. I I jokingly retweet Dan Wilkins sometimes just because he was very against the bubble and it cracks me up. But it wasn't just him. It was heavily criticized nationally. This is stupid. You're, You're getting players away from their families. How can you do that? They're human beings for our entertainment. They got criticized often. And it's been a glowing success. Another round of testing. No positives they have not had a single positive inside the bubble. And you can talk about, you know, the political activism and stuff and that how that hasn't been good and that has affected the rating some, but as far as putting on the product and doing nailed it successfully, it. they have nailed it. nailed it. And that was in the face of all kinds of criticism.
3: By the way, Nicole Auerbach tweets uh, and this kind of gives a little more clarity to the whole extra year of eligibility thing. If the recommendation from the D1 Council to the Board of Directors that all fall sport athletes keep their eligibility for a year that current seniors will be exempted from 2021 scholarship limits. And, Borky, you said, okay, that, that makes sense because they'll just roll off in a year, but it it gives an extra year to everybody. I'm I'm having trouble with the math on that. I'm not a math guy. But it's not just current seniors get an extra year of eligibility. It's everybody gets an extra year of eligibility. So if you're a freshman this year, you're a freshman again next year, sophomore, sophomore, junior, junior, you could have an extra senior year. How can you only exempt seniors, though, in terms of scholarship limits when you're adding a full class in February or the combination of December and February? That's where the math yeah. gets sideways to me. The problem will manifest in twenty twenty two, three, and four. Yes, that's why I said this has got to be. And and what Hayda was pointing to earlier is maybe this thing. There's a, a staggered approach where, okay, next year you, you you take it and you allow a roster size of one twenty or one ten. You know, one ten, I guess. And then you scale it back from one ten to a hundred because you know there will be some attrition. And then from a hundred to 95 and then back to 85 you know however you go about doing it but just saying the next year seniors are going to be exempted from the scholarship limits and then guess what in 2022 good luck folks that's basically what they're saying that's I mean, exactly what they're saying it's the same issue that baseball is going to have next year
4: So what's going to have to happen is either smaller recruiting classes or there's going to have to be some processing. And it goes back to my question earlier. Now, this definitely helps the likes of a group of five school because if that's what it's going to be, that they'll be exempt for one year and then you're back to 85, figure it out. Again, they're going to have to either really bring in a tiny recruiting class or force kids out. That's the only way it's going to work.
3: How has the president gotten sideways with Goodyear?
4: Oh, Goodyear, A, a internal memo at Goodyear uh, got leaked where they told their employees that um, make America great again, police, lives matter, that kind of stuff is prohibited, but they can wear... Black Lives Matter, those kind of things, and so that went viral. And then the president tweeted that we should cancel Goodyear because that's what people do to conservatives, and so they should start fighting back. And so now, holy
3: cow, guys! I'm sorry, I, I, that was just kind of a, a non sequitur. Gene Smith has released a statement. Gene Smith is the powerful athletics director at Ohio State. Kevin Kevin Warren just outlined exactly why the, reason, the the reasons for why they made the decision said that was overwhelming by the presidents and chancellors and it would not be revisited. Half an hour ago. This from Gene Smith. The Ohio State University is confident that we have the safety protocols and rigorous safeguards in place for our student-athletes to practice and return to competition immediately. While a decision has been made by the presidents of the Big Ten Conference to postpone the fall season... We view this as a temporary delay, and Dr. Johnson has directed us to prepare for the possibility of bringing at least some of our fall sports back to practice and competition. By the end of the year, we are actively planning for the winter and spring seasons for all sports, including the return of football.
4: What? But Kevin Warren just said there was a vote, so you have... The head of Ohio State University telling their athletic director that get your teams ready because we might come back this fall. Wow. That's yeah, bad. I it, I
0: loved just, to, it continues to get worse.
4: And nobody at all has addressed the multiple heads of universities in the Big Ten saying that there was no vote. They're just taking Kevin Warren's word for it. Just, oh, well, see, Kevin Ward said there was a vote, guys, so don't worry, there was a vote, even though multiple – University leaders have said there's not. Don't worry, there was one. It's all good. Now you have this statement from Ohio State. This is a disaster. And yet the national narrative is Greg Sankey and the SEC and the Big 12 and the ACC are the ones being irresponsible.
0: And to go with what we've been talking about, about certain writers having certain narratives, today when the, the, the story came out about the potential spring thing, those guys were all like, with exclamation points, look at this! Here we go. Like, okay, it's 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 not obvious, I guess. It's it's not obvious to y'all.
6: Hmm.
3: Yeah. Ohio State keeps punching back. Not not at Michigan. Not at a slight by the SEC or the ACC. Not at some outside. They are punching back at the conference. At they the are commissioner. The Ohio State
0: is the Big Ten conference. If they walked away.
3: Yeah, but I, I don't think that's that fair. I think would...
0: they're the biggest brand. But Michigan? Penn State? Michigan State? Ohio State is the Big Ten's only hope year in and year out to be in the college football
2: playoff.
3: Nobody else is getting in. And Wisconsin's been to half a dozen Rose Bowls in the last 15 years. No, no doubt. But still, how long I mean, has you ever been I, to a I, national I, title? I will certainly give you that Ohio State is the lead dog. But it's not Ohio State in 13 mutts. I mean, there are three or four mutts. But there are some powerful brands in the Big Ten. But the biggest and baddest brand, to your point, is continually punching back at the chancellor, and that is unprecedented in that. Con- uh, I'm sorry, the commissioner.
2: And it's unprecedented in that that conference.